Hello everyone, this is Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, welcoming you to a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds episode. a long box crusade elseworlds you might ask well some of your favorite long box crusade members have done some work over on some other podcast networks that you may or may not be familiar with so from time to time we will grab a show from the past that one or all of us has done on one of those other networks and we'll play it for you here whether it's a james bond rookie agent show from on her majesty's secret podcast network or a comics with normies from white rocket entertainment network or some other bit of alternate dimension craziness, we hope that you enjoy this presentation of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comics with Normies. I am your host, Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist. If you're new to the show... All we really do is take my yard sale skills and find old comic books and sort of give a random issue to a person in my life that uh, is not a comic book person. They read that issue and then we discuss it from a complete outsider's point of view so that we insiders can kind of figure out what we look like to the outsiders. (laughs) Uh, This episode's comic is Amazing Spider-Man 394. Smack dab in the middle of the clone saga. <laughs> Debbie's already laughing over there because, yeah, it's a, it's a mind bender of an issue. This uh, comic came out in uh, October of 1994. Well, it's cover dated October 1994, so it probably actually came out in the summer of 1994. And uh, we'll get to, into the comic in just a minute. First, let's get to know our guest. Our guest today is... The very lovely and very sweet Debbie <laughs> Woodham. She's a friend of mine. Hello. Debbie, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Whatever you want the people in the podcasting community to know about <laughs> you. So you might want to keep this as, as brief as you want or as detailed. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, Debbie. Okay. Um, I've worked in training for over 20 years for corporate America. Now work at Fort Rucker in, in training. I know very little about comics. Um, They certainly got my attention when I was growing up, but I never really picked one up and read it. Um, I'm incredibly intrigued by what I've read, and I don't recommend that anyone start in the middle like I did. Um, But, you know, there's not a whole lot to know about me. I just, um, I'm being drawn into this, though, and that's cool. (laughs) Um, Outside of this mind-boggling world of uh, comic book nerdery. Uh, what kind of hobbies or interests do you have? What 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 makes you excited the way that us comic book folks get excited? Oh wow! Um, well, I love anything colorful, so I can and anything artistic because I do have a creative side. So, um, you know, I'm drawn into it probably in similar ways that people who love comic strips are drawn into it. But um, I love sports. I love anything outdoors. I love anything nature oriented, animal oriented, um, including two legged men. Got her zinger in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I just love sports and and I love creativity and you know comics are very creative, so that's cool. She's not kidding about the sports thing, folks. Uh, Debbie and I have a semi regular racquetball date and i have never won i've never even come close to winning uh she is very very good at the at the athletics 
All right, Debbie. So you mentioned that you did have uh, just the you know, obviously a small awareness about comic books. Um, what history do you have with comics? Uh, I know you didn't really get into comics, but like, were there any comic book themed TV shows or or movies that you were sort of into? Uh, oh yeah, when you were younger. Absolutely, I love Batman. Okay, but I like the good Batman, not the dark Batman. <laughs> You're um, an Adam West Batman. I'm, yeah, kinda? absolutely. Okay, absolutely. He's probably my favorite. Um, I did like Superwoman, and that that was during my time. Those were probably the most popular. And in recent times, Iron Man has really gotten my attention. I, I like the storyline with the Iron Man, and um, so those were probably the ones that have drawn me in the most. All right, yeah, well, that Iron Man he's definitely uh, brought in a lot of new people to the comic book fold. That 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 movie sort of transcended, kind of busted open the whole Marvel. A cinematic universe so it's it's interesting that you know it, it sort of worked the way it was supposed to to get somebody like debbie yep. not she probably wouldn't look look twice at an iron man comic laying around but this uh movie comes out and now you're you're invested okay so she's got a little bit of uh knowledge of what's going on but she's never delved into comics so we're gonna let her delve into this uh this issue amazing spider-man 394 from october 1994 as soon as we come back uh, from this quick podcast promo break. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? All right. Uh, we are back with Debbie Woodham and Amazing Spider-Man 394. And she's about to go into the hardest part of her entire day because we're getting to the part where she's going to have to tell us about the story. And for those of you who are like, eh, 394 sounds vaguely familiar. As I mentioned in the intro, it is smack in the middle of the clone saga for Spider-Man, uh, often thought of as one of the most confusing Spider-Man stories. Now, before we get into that, though, like I said, this was on. This is the October '94 issue. It was probably more on sale in the summer of of 1994. Debbie, what were you doing in, in the uh, summer fall of 1994? Woo! Is just a tip to the readers in case I... you figured out earlier. Debbie's a little. Older than I am, just a little. We won't reveal <laughs> her age. Throw that in there. We won't reveal her age, but she is. Hey, the fact that she's still whooping me mercilessly <laughs> on the racquetball court. But what were you doing in the in the summer fall of nineteen ninety four? I know I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was hanging out with a lot of people playing racquetball. As a matter of fact, that makes um, sense that you would do that all the time. I was working for an engineering firm and dating someone who was leaving to move to California, and I was actually happy to see him go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't remember a whole lot else. That poor um, bastard didn't know what he was missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of hanging out. I mean, I wasn't dealing with 
comics or anything <laughs> like that, I can tell you. But um, I was just sort of um, doing my own thing. I wasn't married. I had just started a new job, I believe, with the engineering firm and uh, was just kind of living life, having a good time. Well, you know what? We have something strangely in common for the for the summer and fall of 1994. I actually, brace yourself for this, was not really doing comics at that time either. Uh, I, I'm a little younger than you. I was in high school. I was a, I was a senior. I was, starting, I was starting. Don't get upset about it, Dave. I was starting <laughs> oh my, my senior year. And I was at that point in my life where... Um, I still like comics. I didn't like shun comics or anything. But like when you're when you're a senior boy in high school, you know, girls are your main focus, and uh, so busy with school activities and stuff that I I was away from the comic book world for a while. In fact, I didn't even know about the Clone Saga until I got to college. I got back into comics in college, thanks to my friend Delvin. He's like a like a drug dealer. He pushed it on me, <sighs> and then I got hooked. But then I had to kind of go back and learn about the Clone Saga. And man. It is a hot mess. And speaking of the hot mess of the Clone Saga, this is the part of the show where Debbie does her best job to describe the plot of issue 394. So, Debbie, what's your best description of the story and plot of issue Amazing Spider-Man 394? Okay, Spider-Man was cloned. But the way it starts, I'm not really sure if it's actually Spider-Man or the clone. Welcome to the entire Clone Saga storyline. Go and on, I'm sorry. He's, he seems to, to, in his mind, be a bit confused about who he is and the feelings he's having. And there's a certain person called May Parker that keeps coming to his mind. Anyway, he's struggling with all of that. And then somewhere in there, um, some person named the Traveler comes into the picture. <laughs> and uh, there's some guy called Edward in a building and the traveler comes in and this person, Edward apparently is um, possessed. I guess I would say, I'm not sure if that's a comic comic (laughs) book word, but I would say the guy was possessed and there's some psycho evil, something that's gotten a hold of these people. So anyway, but the traveler appears to draw that out of this person. Mm -hmm. And then there's some chick named Chakra that, comes in and I'm like I have no idea where she came I from don't but know either. <laughs> she's, it's like she lands out of the sky I guess and she does something to this dude but um somewhere in the mix traveler says the guy has actually has a good heart so it's almost as it's if something's happened to him and you're not really sure how or why it's happened to him but this is where I got a little confused too cuz traveler kind of came across as a good guy in that scene but I'm still not convinced he is a good guy. So um, should I continue? Because this had several sections, and it would start over with a new section. So that kind of sums up the first section. Sure. What happened happened in the next? Just just kind of continue in, in like, book report format. Uh, So I guess what? Next we see Spider-Man, like, if I'm not mistaken, he's, like, in Ravencroft Institute, just, like, running around the Institute looking at institutionalized people. Yeah, that's... Yeah, he's, um, he, this part's a little bit of a blur, but, um, he seems to be somewhere in an asylum, I guess, and he's kind of climbing the walls, kind of getting a little out of control, I guess you could say. He seems agitated. He's on the ceiling. Um, it's, yeah, he's kind of talking a lot about, heroic struggles, and Mm. he seems to be believing there's more to it than, um, I don't know. He's, he, 
it, it shows this person that's pretty frightfully scary, and he's seeing him, and he's saying that his mind is empty. Apparently, he's been he's been duped, or he's been yeah. messed with psychologically. That's that's the chameleon who has the power to 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 look like anyone, and he's obviously sort of like lost his rock and doesn't even know who he is anymore because he's been the, ident- the identity of so many people. I think that's what they're getting at. But yeah, I could definitely see uh, where that's confusing. We, you know, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. just move along. So, like then he checks in on another villain, right? Uh, Carnage, I think that's yeah, that's yeah, Carnage. yeah. Um, just another crazy yeah. guy in the institution, and uh, like you said, it's I guess he's like going and going through his struggles. But anyway, your, this is your take, not my take. Whatever, yeah, whatever um, you think is. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's still struggling with the whole cloning thing. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because there's these eyes at the bottom of the page, this man's eyes on several is, I can't figure out whose eyes they are, but anyway. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. At the bottom of like every yeah. page, there's, it goes back and to he's, he these says red eyes. Like, like the beast, the demons, the mirror. And he's like, right. he's like haunting Spider-Man, I guess. But, um, Anyway, a lot of this just seems to be a lot of mind twisted stuff uh-huh, about uh-huh. you know carnage and and this man who seems to have nothingness in his brain. So he's just processing a lot of crazy people that I guess have been messed with psychologically or superheroes that have been messed with. Those those are actually all villains, but villains. you're not expected okay. to know that, obviously. And okay. I think from there we actually cut to one of the scenes in the story that actually kind of is grounded more in reality and makes more sense. We get to see. Um, Spider-Man's uh, wife, Mary Jane, having a discussion uh, with her mother. Is that right? I think that's... I believe so. Yeah. And I'm glad she told me that was his wife because I'm not sure I got that from the storyline. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway, so that helps me yeah. make more Dang sense. Dang it, I gave it. her too much information. Yeah, that's okay. So anyway, Spider-Man's still just struggling with all these millions of thoughts. And he says they're like insects in his brain. And I think they're like insects in my brain too now. Yeah. <laughs> um, no soul left to love you, blah, 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 blah. But then it flips over to Mary Jane, who I know now is his wife. And is, her mom is is encouraging her to go see somebody. Uh, so she's at the LaGuardia Airport. And, and Mary Jane doesn't really want to go. She's resisting the idea of going. There's something that's pulling her back, like she needs to stay. And her mom keeps saying, well, but you also need to take care of you. And, and um, Peter, oh, you know Peter needs me. Yeah, that's Peter. That's Peter, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. He's her husband. He's, you know, I misled you a little bit, and that's my mistake. And I now I'm going to throw in a wrench, even in, more into what you've already got. That's her aunt. That is her aunt Anna. That's, okay. Her aunt raised her, much like Peter Parker's aunt May raised him. That's the the May. Aunt Parker. Anna. There it is. Yeah, that's yep. the May Parker that Spider Man keeps thinking about. That's his aunt that he loves dearly because she raised him, and then Aunt Anna uh, helped uh, raise Mary Jane. I, I'm trying. I can't remember who she's encouraging her to go. Uh, somebody Go Gales, see. somebody, I think the name was Gail. I'll call uh-huh. you when I get to Gales. That's what she said. Okay. I'll call you as soon as I get to Gales. So I'm not sure who Gail is, but she kept questioning whether this was the right thing to do. Mary mm-hmm. Jane did. It's but all she a matter is, of whether or not you know, she's going to stay with Peter or go yeah. bridge some other problem. I, yeah, I can't remember rightly, but at least it wasn't terribly confusing, right? We kind of understood. No, actually, that was a little bit more normal behavior where you're getting on a flight, you're struggling with whether you should go, you got stuff emotionally pulling you back home. So all of that was pretty pretty reasonably normal. And then you see the moon in the sky with the plane and 
and the ant is watching the flight take off. And then it bounces back to, to Parker. He's looking at his, I guess, Aunt May uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, in the hospital bed and wondering if he's giving her the right care. And then he just struggles and struggles. And the doctor comes in and says she feels like she knows him already based on speaking to his wife. And he says, you have no idea. You don't know the half of it. And then suddenly you see Spider-Man on the wall again. And <laughs> Well, I think in the, in the hospital room, I think that's actually the clone. I think that's oh. that's Ben Riley the clone. Oh. Either that or that's really Spider-Man and the one we see in the in the institute is the clone. It's so confusing. But yeah, one one of these guys is a clone and one of these guys is the real Spider-Man. And at this point in the story, I honestly couldn't tell you which is okay. which anymore. Then I'm not crazy. No, he's not he's not in two places <laughs> at once. One of them is the clone and one of them is is Peter Parker. And I'm not sure which is which. You're not crazy. This is a this is a tough storyline. But anyway, I think you're you're getting close to the end of it. Yes. I'll let you bring it home. Well, Spider-Man's got all this whacked out stuff. Well, I guess if it's Spider-Man, he's got all this whacked out stuff, you know, alone, 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 your aunt's dying, your wife's gone, you're faceless, your parents are dead, you're insane, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then he feels somebody watching him, um, and he asks him to leave him alone. They're laughing. He hears voices. He says they're talking about him. And all you see is what looks like a Darth Vader without a mask. <laughs> it's like a, a, a shadowy figure that's in a dark black cape, but he looks like a ghost. Very ugly. But I don't know who that is. As However, him. I can't help but wonder if it's not Traveler. But it's, His name is Scryer, and uh, I don't know who he is a lot either, so don't feel bad. Okay. And he's like, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you harassing me? So suddenly... <laughs> Travelers in the picture again. (laughs) Yeah, Travelers got Spider-Man by the neck. So, um, you know, and there's a struggle going on. And, and, um, you know, it's Travelers saying, you're unaware of the truth's inside. And, you know, it's it's just this ha-ha-ha-ha. He laughs in his face. (laughs) And Spider-Man's struggling. And then you hear, stop, stop from Spider-Man. And then then he's like, you can't do this to me. You don't have the right. And then there's kaboom, coom, boom, (laughs) boom, and. Then he's like, I'm a man, and I'm not a joke, and I'm not really sure what's going from there. Oh, yeah, it keeps happening. Um, and then Traveler says he's an utterly broken man. And then you see Spider-Man holding his hand in his head, his his head in his hands. And like Traveler a broken, like a is, broken man. yeah, like a broken man. Um, and Traveler's saying you should embrace the chaos. Then try to we uphold some illusion. Exactly. Exactly. There's actually a lot of true reality components to this. Um, and then there's Judas. He was, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, um, now the shadowy figure, he was not what you expected. He's saying that to Traveler. Uh, and then he says, what now, Judas? The inmates die as you promised. Um, so there's something going on between Judas and the Traveler. I, they, it might be the same. His name might be Judas Traveler. Oh, I, I think that's right. Again, okay. this is a highly confusing storyline. <laughs> it was just half the fun of, of throwing. Oh Debbie. yeah, I'm throwing Debbie into the deepest end of comics possible, and she's doing a good job with it. <laughs> so I think that's Judas Traveler, and he's talking with that scryer guy. That, yep. as you aptly put, Darth Vader with no mask on. That's a good description. And uh, yeah, they, they, they. I guess they've not to take it from you. It looks like they've left Spider Man just a, a broken man. He's just yep. laying there and. I honestly really don't know what happens in that next panel because, like, Traveler basically waves his hand and the broken door goes back to fix. Spider-Man's not even there anymore. Like, it's 
it's like he's waved his hand and it's all just gone away. Yeah, that's and I, strange. I have no clue what's going on. I've did. read comics almost my entire life, and this storyline is so tough. Yeah, but I think he called that shadowy figure Scryer. Scryer, yeah, yeah that's okay, like, I, okay. I his name is Scryer. So now we see Aunt May in the hospital bed again. So it's like the Spider-Man figure is, is all cleaned up, and now we're seeing the person dressed in normal clothes, which I guess we're thinking is the clone. Possibly the clone. Yeah, he's in the hospital bed with his aunt in the hospital room with his aunt Aunt May. Mm-hmm. And then Chakra, yeah. that Chakra chick chakra appears chick again. shows up again. Uh, she's good at random pop-ins. <laughs> yeah, and she says something about, you have a choice from Traveler. And, you know, Parker's, like, looking at her like, how did you? And she's like, just don't worry about that. And then something about say nothing, ask nothing, just listen and consider your double, your rival will die by my master's hand within the hour. So she gives him an option and says, let Spider-Man die and you can have the life, the identity you have dreamed of hungered for during your long years of exile or come with me to Ravencroft Mm -hmm. and risk your own life. So now Spider-Man is left with a dilemma of what he should do to save the one man in all the world whose death would set you free. Yeah, I think basically what she's saying is, you know, you're this clone, and if Spider-Man dies, then you can sort of step in and take over his life, you know, because you, you being this clone, you sort of led this listless life, and you can have his life. I think that's essentially what she's offering him. Okay, so that's a brain twister. Yeah. The it, whole thing's a brain and twister. And then it ends on a weird note. You see Spider-Man, and I guess we're to believe he's in Ravencroft. He's locked up. He's got shackles on. Like, maybe he's an inmate. Of of the institution, maybe all this happened in his head. I don't know. But notice he's always in his Spider Man outfit, yeah. and he's always in. Yeah, I don't know. What the clone is always in like street clothes, yeah. and then Spider Man's yeah. always in Spider Man gear. He's never unmasked. So yeah, th- we actually Debbie actually got the the deluxe uh, copy of three ninety four. It's a flip book, <laughs> and in the back it's got. A, I'm, not, I'm not forcing her to go through another story. In the back, it's got some informational stuff, and it's got a short story about like the clone. Dealing with uh, the jackal, she read it and she was like, "How does this connect to this story?" I mean, you can imagine anybody who knows comics and knows the clone saga kind of can imagine what Debbie has just gone through. <laughs> She's gone through her own personal clone saga. I'm exhausted. In one issue, and she was a super, <laughs> super good sport about it. Uh, what I like to ask uh, now that we've gone through the the plot summary, um, just given what you read, total guesswork. What what? What event or two do you think kind of may have transpired before this issue happened? Like, where do you what do you think happened before you came on board? Just some, vague guesswork. I'm thinking some bad guy somewhere got a hold of Spider Man and obviously cloned him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's accurate. And I'm not sure that person seems to be out there wreaking havoc with a lot of uh, stuff. So, but that's about all I can yeah, I can figure. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, what, how do you think this story arc will end? <laughs> Oh, think? Spider-Man's got to win. Well, you got to win. The real Spider-Man's got to win. What do you think will become of the clone? I think the Traveler and whatever that other dude's name was. Scryer. Um, Scryer. I think they'll they'll lead him to his doom. Oh, okay. So you think the bad ending for for the clone. Uh, that's not a bad guess either. Um, if I remember correctly. I think they did <laughs> kind of do away with him. I think they eventually did. So confusing. Um, anyways, um, where were we? Ah, yes, we're going to talk about just some characters real quick. I'll start, this is a game we we like to play called What Powers Do You Think They Have? We'll start off easy. (laughs) Spider-Man, 
What powers do you think he has? Well, I know he can um, connect himself to walls yeah. and buildings. Stick and, to walls. And leap because mm-hmm. of that. And um, I don't really know beyond that. No, it's not bad. I mean, yeah, he's very agile and stick to walls. He's very strong. Yeah, Very strong. And, and uh, he's got the spider sense that warns him of danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't really get to see that much in this episode. <laughs> it, it really, all, in this particular issue, all she really got to see was him kind of crawling around and Slowly losing his mind, and he sort of punched Traveler a lot to like no effect, which is weird because <laughs> Superman's crazy or Superman Spider Man's crazy strong. Um, so a couple more challenging ones. Um, there's a few other handful of characters in here that I just want to. Judas Traveler, you've already kind of talked about. We're not. We're both completely unclear on what his powers are. What if you had to guess? On, on he's Traveler? got the power to draw some kind of stuff out and maybe put some kind of stuff in. To their heads, maybe. Yeah, like some, yeah maybe. That's uh, which kind of leads us into chakra. Apparently, is chakra communicate over distance? And, seems like good karma or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but but then again, she seemed a little. I don't know. Chakra's very confusing. She's, yeah. Um, but she's a little witchy. I don't think she yeah. can be trusted. Yeah, no, that's probably a fair assessment. And then we talked about Scryer. That was the guy all in black with the white skin. Scryer's just bad news. Yeah, he's like just a guy. He's a lurker, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what his powers are either, uh, to be honest with you. And I've been you know, in this in this for a while. To just show up and look really ugly right now. Um, the only other kind of – we got a brief glimpse at, at, a, at a character in the beginning who was like in a fedora and a jacket. His name was Mr. Noct. I got nothing on Mr. Noct, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. But we did see uh, – I remember at the beginning you talked about how he had that guy. His name was Eddie. And he kind yeah. of, you said he possessed him. He, he brought out Eddie's um, dark form, which was the vermin. Uh, any guesses as to, as to what the vermin's powers might be? <gasps> he brought out the vermin out of Eddie? Yeah, remember, that was at the very beginning. So, so, we'll flip back. Like so, he had Eddie, and then he, this is, he brought out Eddie's sort of evil form. That's, that's Eddie's form as a villain. So I'm wondering what his powers are. Yeah, just a guess. Um, he's really strong. He's fairly strong, yeah. And, I don't know. I feel like he could penetrate you with his eyes. <laughs> he's got those red maybe eyes. Maybe cut you in half or something. <laughs> yeah, that's. He's very just basically like an like an animal, like almost like a caged rat. Then you're right. He's very strong and and very feral is kind of his thing. He's he's been in a lot. Of, he's a character I do know. He's been in a lot of sto- Spider Man stories. <laughs> Along with we had a brief glimpse at. And I'm flipping over the pages for Debbie here. Well, we did see the chameleon, and we and we we can tell that he's a shapeshifter. And then we saw um, Carnage briefly. He's another big time Spider Man uh, villain. Any guesses as to what his abilities are? They don't show you much in there. Fire? I don't know. He looks like a fire. You're right. He looks like a fire guy. But now he's like, um, he has very, very similar powers to Spider Man. Now, oh. follow me on this. At one point, Spider Man had a costume. Okay. His costume was actually an alien being. Oh. Yeah, I know. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. His costume was like an alien being, and and Spider-Man found out that it was a, a parasite that was affecting him, so he got rid of the costume. The costume went to another guy uh, named Eddie Brock and became a villain known as Venom. Like, the costume wanted its revenge against Spider-Man for rejecting his costume. I, I know. Wow. <laughs> for rejecting him. And then the costume spawned off like a child of itself, like, because it's an alien, that's how it reproduces, like, a, a piece of it came off to become another new costume alien thing, and it combined with this guy over here, Carnage, Carnage was like this uh, um, serial killer, mass murder, really bad guy, so when, when the alien sort of infused with him, it became very, as you can see, 
demonic and wow. powerful and very scary. So, yeah, welcome to the world of Spider-Man, Debbie. Very interesting. You jumped in all the way into the deepest. Oh, yeah. Deep and you, you did so like a champ, though. Um, <laughs> in the story, did you have a, a, a – what was your favorite part of the story? Well – So much to choose from, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I kind of liked it when Traveler seemed to draw the draw something out of uh, – Eddie? Oh, the, the vermin. Yeah. The vermin? Yeah, pulled the vermin. I kind of liked that. But I also, um, I don't know. I kind of liked the human side of Spider Man. Yeah, like when he's in the hospital. Yeah, he's, and- he's thinking about his, his family and his loved ones mm-hmm. and, you know, the struggle he's having with all of that and how he can help his Aunt May. And I kind of like that. Yeah. That kind of personalized it a little bit, but. And that's that's really the the secret to good comics is that personalization and characterization. Um, if we're very honest with ourselves, comic books are really nothing more than soap operas with superpowers. Yep. They're all about relationships and how the superpowers kind of affect them. There's always action and adventure, but it really good comics boil down to the relationship. So I'm, I'm interested. That's interesting that that spoke to you because I think that's what kind of speaks to all of us. We like everyone likes good character development, whether you're in a comics or a movie or in a novel, that carries over. So that's yeah, it's cool. And I have this question I ask everybody on the show, which is particularly hilarious for Amazing Spider-Man 394. Here's the question as it reads in my script. Did anything leave you scratching your head? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How many times was I allowed to scratch my head uh, is the question. I, I'd scratch all the way down into my brain if I could on this. Uh, but you know what I'm realizing, too, as you sort of inform me of what I'm seeing, is that if you don't pay a lot of attention to a whole lot of detail in these, like, images panels the yeah, panels, panels right. then you miss a lot so i may not have studied the panels as in depth as i should have because the more you talk about it the more i realize there's stuff i didn't see that was supposed to speak to me yeah you know so. it, re- learning how to read a comic is 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 difficult if you've never read one before like how what do i need to pay attention to and that that kind of thing yeah so no i, I track you on that it, it it makes sense so yeah as far as head scratchers go this whole dang issue is – this whole dang storyline is a head-scratcher. That's uh, that's for sure. All right. I'm going to give you a reprieve. We're not going to have to talk about the story anymore. We're just going to talk okay. purely about the artwork. <laughs> uh, flipping over to the to the cover. <laughs> Covers are supposed to speak to you and grab you and, and sort of summarize what you're about to read. Um, when you looked at the cover, what were your first thoughts and impressions? Well, I feel really bad for Spider-Man because he looks pretty battered and beaten. And yeah, he does. He kind of hanging limp in the hands of Traveler. So it's looking like he's not going to win that fight. So yeah, I guess that's the first thing that jumps off the page to me. And mm-hmm. and then, of course, you see the uh, the clone who's in, you know, normal everyday clothing. And he's kind of looking up and it's sort of like I'm trying to figure out exactly what he's thinking and mm-hmm. where he fits into the picture. So that summarizes the story nicely. We've got a defeated Spider-Man, which we saw in the book. We've got a very empowered traveler uh, who was empowered throughout the story. And then you've got, like like you said, you got you see the clone back there, and you're not sure what his designs are. And in the story, we don't know what his designs are. So mm-hmm. Mark Bagley, he's the artist on this. I think he did a, a, a good job capturing the essence of the story on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you agree with that? I do. I don't mean to put much. words in your mouth. but Nope, if- <laughs> I agree. I do agree. Um, what's your favorite part about the cover? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I kind of like the look of Traveler. Yeah, Bagley really drew a great 
Uh, do you mean like his overall outfit or like like his yeah. facial features or just the whole? Actually, both. Yeah. I, I like all the the uh, detail. He's got stuff around his neck and around his hands and his arms and his his waist, and it seems like there's a lot of detail buckles on his boots yeah, and yeah. and it's just very very. Uh, defined yeah. what you see. Yeah, Mark Bankley is is uh, is, is a very top tier Spider Man artist, very well thought of by the fan base in general. And yeah, he's hitting a home run here. Like you said, crazy good details on Traveler's costume, even like be- beaten, broken Spider Man looks good for yeah. that. His broken can yeah. he's his torn outfit, and uh, it gets the message across. It does. No get, doubt. Yeah, he does a great job of capturing the essence of of the issue. Uh, moving yep. on to the interior art, which was also done by Mark Bagley. Um, what uh, what uh, moments uh, do you think art-wise? Again, don't you don't have to worry about what's going on in the story. Just art-wise, anything kind of stand out to you? Like, did you look at a, a page or a panel and go, like, oh, hey, wow, that's that's really good? Or, or, or did you look at a page and panel and go, I have no idea what's going on here. The art is totally distracting me. Uh, well... You know, I'm a I'm a moon girl. I like the moon and the sky. So all of the images that showed the sky, and there were several because the clones looking into the sky over a lot of high rise buildings, and also uh, Aunt Anna, I think it was, and and Mary Jane right. when they're at the airport and she's flying away. Oddly enough, I actually liked those shots of the sky and the moon and. And yeah. the individuals looking up, seeing the plane fly off, the stars, the moon, just I just like that. Yeah, that's an interesting – I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's basically like a six-panel set of yep. the plane taking off and Aunt Anna looking at the moon as the plane goes by the moon. And then it cuts to just the moon and then it kind of zooms into the moon and then uses the moon as its transition point to go back to the clone or maybe it's not a clone. Who knows? In the, <laughs> in the hotel uh, – not the hotel. In the hospital room with, uh, with Aunt May. So I think it's neat that you picked up on that and that it's not necessarily terribly demanding work as no. an artist, but it's 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 fantastic visual storytelling yes. with transition. Yes. And that's I like that's, that. that's something that's often forgotten. We think about comic art, we think about those dynamic pages where Spider-Man's knocking out the Green Goblin over a two-page spread, but like simple stuff, beautiful transitions like that. Uh, they matter, and, and and they matter to an outsider's point of view. Like Debbie, Debbie's never read a comic before, but she get she gets that transition. So yeah, I think no that's words cool. there, just just images. No words, just images, and it worked. Yep. So kudos, uh, Mark Bagley, and uh, I'm sure that the uh, writer, which I think was J M D Mateus, wrote this issue. Uh, he probably uh, had that in the, in the script for that transition. So good job, creative team uh, overall. Uh, any other major impressions on the interior art? Anything else you well, want to Well, I mean, about? it's just incredibly colorful, incredibly detailed. Um, it speaks to you like crazy with the facial expressions. And I just think it's exceptionally good art, just exceptionally good. It's quite busy, but I think that's typical for a comic book. Yeah, yeah, especially like a Spider-Man comic. It has a lot of dynamic range. I'm glad you mentioned the color. Uh, colorists are often overlooked in the comic book industry. Really? And the, and the colorist did a great job of just putting a lot of vibrancy into the issue. And you really need that for a Spider-Man book. A Spider-Man book needs to, to have a lot of pop to it, even when they're depressing and confusing like, yeah. like this one. Yeah, the facial image, the facial, the expressions are awesome. They really yes. communicate. Facial expressions are a tough thing to master. And, yes. And, and Bagley's got it down. And it's hard to do a lot of good facial expressions when you're doing Spider-Man because he wears a face mask 
all the time. So you have to also convey a lot of emotion through a mask, like through body language. Yeah, hands. I noticed that with the hands with, of okay. Spider-Man. His hands speak a lot. Okay, in, in that's a good the, point. Yeah. They Very speak cool. to what he's experiencing because you can't see his face. So there you have... I have Debbie's outlook on the art of the book, the rather confusing story. Now we're going to go into something much simpler. We're going to kind of take a look at the time period uh, from the ads point of view. We, I asked Debbie when we first sat down, I said, you know what ads kind of grabbed you? And she said, frankly, I was so mired up in this story, I wasn't really looking at ads. And, and so we just kind of looked at the ones that jumped out at her. And, and she, she spotted two ads that, that kind of jumped out at her from, from the 1994 uh, time frame. Yeah. One of which, the first one you noticed was on the inside of the front cover. Stridex. Stridex. <laughs> Acne medication. Acne. That was really popular back then. Yeah, I remember like, yeah, Stridex mm-hmm. was, the acne medication was, was big in the in the mid-90s especially. And as you can imagine, I mean, you've been in, in, in training and corporate big business and all that. You can imagine that, you know, comic books in, in the mid-90s are very, very appealing to what, like teenage um, boys, especially, yeah, and so what better product to push than an anti-acne? <laughs> cleansing? Good point. Yep. And as a teenage boy, I I did use Stridex when mm-hmm. I was in, in high school. Yeah. And now I don't. Um, I I mean, it's a unisex product. Did, or, exactly. did you ever use? Oh Stridex? yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So yep. that, so it was a product that, that <laughs> I didn't. You know, as a teenage boy, I thought I was the only kind of person buying. It. <laughs> so apparently. Um, uh, ladies are using it too. And, oh yeah, and uh, I don't know. They, they it's a really good product. <laughs> I do not know if they still make. It, I don't know. I have never looked into it. I have not had a need to look in recent yeah. decades. I, I thankfully, walked, I walked away. Yes, yep. I, I walked away from Stridex in college, and I never looked back. Exactly. Yep. The uh, the other ad that Debbie picked out that kind of grabbed her attention is just is just kind of amusing. Um, Garfield. It's, it's Garfield. Ravioli. Garfield's Garfield. eating ravioli. Ravioli. They're plugging Garfield <laughs> ravioli and Stridex in the same issue. Two very non-related products. Yeah. Um, wow. He's even asking what's in the White House in one of these. Yeah. He's, Garfield's in front of the White House. He's asking what's in a submarine. <laughs> What's inside of a baseball? It's like Garfield's like like trying to like broaden his educational horizon yep. whilst eating ravioli out of a can that has his own picture on it. That's got to be a, a freaky thing to do. To eat. Yes. That, that's how Chef Boyardee always felt when he ate his own stuff out of a can, <laughs> I imagine. But yeah, I mean, Garfield's well known for loving lasagna, so it would make sense that he would uh, also love that. Were you much of a Garfield person? Did you? Uh, I liked Garfield a pretty good bit. I liked his attitude. He yeah. was just such a dude. He's a fun, like, um, newspaper comic strip. You know, yeah. not comic book. Like, I, I'm sure he probably had a comic book here or there over the years, but he's a newspaper comic strip. Written by Jim Davis out of Muncie, Indiana. He's, I used to live there when I was a little oh, really? kid. He was like our famous, like, Jim Davis lives here. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, Garfield and Stridex is what grab, grabbed uh, Debbie's attention. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one more podcast promo break, and when we come back, we'll get Debbie's final verdict on Amazing Spider-Man 394. We'll be here on the other side of this podcast promo. Hello, everyone. My name is Pat, and I'm the host of a new podcast called The Longbox Crusade. A while back, my wife said to me, why do you keep buying more comics? I bet you have not even read all the comics you have already. Well, she's right, but let's keep that between you and me. So I took her up on the challenge to read them all. I decided to read my collection of comic books in chronological order by the issue's cover dates. 
I wanted to relive their adventures and bring back the memories I had of my childhood in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. My collection has been stashed away in over 20 plus long boxes in the basement. I'll leave it up to your imagination as to why I cannot have them on display upstairs, but that's a different story. The Longbox Crusade podcast will be of recaps and reviews of the issues in my collection in a fun and friendly way. You can find the podcast at longboxcrusade.com. I hope you will join me on this crusade to read them all. We are back. I hope you enjoyed that podcast promo for whatever it was you just heard. I don't plan far enough ahead to know which ones I put in there, but if I put it in there, that means it's a pretty good show that I enjoy. It's someone who has supported me in the past or has at least entertained the heck out of me. So whatever that promo was for, you should totally listen to that show. Hmm. Okay, we're back for the final part, the wrap-up with the lovely Debbie. She is going to give us her final verdict on her first step in the comic world, which was a very deep one. Middle of the Clone Saga, Amazing Spider-Man 394. All right, Debbie. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well did Amazing Spider-Man 394 draw you into the Spider-Man universe? Definitely an 8. Oh, a higher mark than I would have thought. I thought the confusion would have kept you out, but the confusion added to the intrigue, maybe? I don't yes, know. You tell me. I, I'm, you tell no, me. I'm no doubt intrigued. Yeah, the confusion may have added to the intrigue a little bit, but, you know, there's such a human component in here. And I think that's what surprised me a little bit. I'm not necessarily a sci-fi person Mm -hmm. because I like true storylines and I like things that really relate to the real world and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there was that component of it that really surprised me and actually captivated me as I read it. You know, I might find it a little easier to have one that sort of I'm starting at the beginning and I can (laughs) track it all the way through. But I wasn't so put out by the fact that, you know, this one was jumping around or I was catching it in the middle. And it was probably because there was just, to me, such a uh, a good and evil mm. component to it that attracted me. Mm. I thought that was really very interesting and Wait, appealing. You've, you've hit on an interesting point about sort of the humanity of it, the the, the emotion parts, the, the, the parts that were grounded in, in quote-unquote reality, you know, like when – the clone. <laughs> We're talking about reality and clones in the same sentence. When the, when the clone is at the hospital, and and Aunt Anna and Mary Jane are at the at the airport, and in the reality and the humanity of it all, you, you said that that was appealing to you. And what's interesting about that is is Marvel almost invented that. Uh, just to give you a quick background, like DC Comics with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman sort of ruled the roost. Marvel Comics didn't come on the scene until the sixties. And if you go back and you look at Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they're all like almost perfect people. You have this perfect billionaire. You have this perfect superpowered being from another planet yeah. and this this perfect Amazonian woman uh, who is a princess of an island. Like they're all extremely powerful. They don't have a lot of struggles. And that's what Marvel brought. They, Marvel decided to make comics that were more, quote, unquote, grounded in reality where people had real struggles. They focused more on character like like spider-man he was just a teenage kid when he first started and and he's had trouble making money to help support his aunt he had like real person struggles and yeah and i think that's interesting that it still carries through because that was in 1960 i'm sure some nerds out there are mad that i don't remember (laughs) spider-man was like 1962 ish and here we are this this issue's 30 years on from from when it started and they still have that they still have the humanity 
And that's, I think, what we'll, we'll always sell on Marvel books. And and DC caught on to that, and DC tapped into that a, a, afterwards. Uh, but Marvel's really credited for for taking superhero stories and sort of grounding them in quote unquote reality. So that's cool that that, that spoke to you. Uh, the the uh, I guess the last question I have for you is just purely on an entertainment scale. On a one to ten, how much should the comic book entertain you? I'd say probably another eight. Wow, another high mark. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining. Okay. I had to take it. I had to pace myself because it got so confusing, <laughs> yes. but um, yes. it was still entertaining. Yeah, I peeked behind the curtain. I probably gave this comic to Debbie like two or three weeks ago, and I'd come in and every once in a while, and I'd see her just like reading a little snippet here and there. And she's like, "This is like she's digesting small pieces at a time." Is <laughs> it? It is a tough read. I threw Debbie in at the deep end. She was a great sport about it. It was fun. So. I want to say thank you for coming on the show and, and sure. opening up. You know, not a lot of people are are comfortable opening up themselves in a completely new genre like this. Uh, I, I hope you had fun here. Absolutely. And um, I, I'm sure you're probably going to run out and, and look for Amazing Spider-Man 395 just to find out not what sure. happened. Okay. Not sure. Okay. <laughs> not sure. I, I promise you if I ever force you into the world of comics again, I will start you at a story arc in the beginning. That's cool. You That'll in. work. If you if you ever want any, anything like that, you let me know. But I'm sure you have probably plenty of other things to do. <laughs> but again, Debbie, I want to say thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. You, Thank you. Hey, no this problem. This was fun. You've been a good sport. And uh, until next time, you guys out there just keep reading, and I'll find somebody who doesn't. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> Catch you next time, folks. This episode's outro music is a jam called Hedge. This music and all other sound engineering for Comics with Normies is provided by musical genius Joe November. Be sure to check Joe out on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud at josephlin 99 That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. Joe November's got some amazing beats and a lot to share, so be sure to check him out. As a reminder, folks, if you have any comments or questions, or if you just want to follow us on the social media, you can follow us over on Twitter at Normies Podcast, N-O-R-M-I-E-S Podcast. You can also follow me personally over on Twitter. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of person, you can follow us at Comics with Normies. That's our podcast page. Or you can follow me personally at Yard Sale Artist again questions comments just want to be part of the show let me know i'm happy to read the comments and the questions that we get on future episodes and that's a wrap for this episode of long box crusade elseworlds i hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you around the alternate dimensions in the future themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.